This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I am no longer friend of the pod, but actually hosting the thing. This is Zach Lee. Joining me today is my guest and frequent uh, visitor to the Chicago Shuffle podcast, Ricky O'Donnell. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Zach. How's it going, man? It's going great. This is uh, a first try at, uh, at hosting Chicago Shuffle. I'll be here for a while. Ricky might pop in from time to time, depending upon how uh, confident he's feeling about his takes. And we <laughs> we drop in at a very interesting time uh, where the, the bi-week bears are here and just in time for us to fret about the entire state of the franchise, the overall quality of the roster, um, the sky possibly falling, famine coming upon us. I'm not sure there's anything else that could feel worse at this particular time off of the uh, Bears' loss to the Raiders in London. So, Ricky, uh, just like right off the top, 1 to 10, how are you feeling about your Bears? I would say... Honestly, it would be so nice to be four and one. Like if they were four and one, the answer to this question would be an probably a nine, despite all the things that, you know, are potential pitfalls and trapdoors from the rest of the season. The fact that they're three and two, the fact that the remaining schedule is just so difficult, I gotta put it at about a five or a six right now. I'm not totally out with the Bears. I typically have a little bit more pessimism than optimism because as someone born at, after nineteen eighty five, I just haven't seen a lot of really good seasons out of the Bears. I still think this defense is good enough to keep them in every single game they play. I still think they have a chance at the playoffs, but right now I'm going to temper my expectations a bit. I'll put it at about a six. A six. Okay, a six feels to me pretty reasonable based on how things are going at the moment. And I, I'm looking at the the rest of the schedule right now, which is, you know, drumroll please, the hardest in the league. And as these games go along, you look and you're like, wow, these are seeming harder by the day, not better. Usually there's like an attrition of sorts, a quarterback goes down, there's injuries one way or another, and you're like, well, that one doesn't seem as bad as it once did. No, no, they all seem terrible at the moment. So uh, personally, I'm reaching a panicky state of right around seven, and I would say first and foremost, the thing I want to talk about is the Bears' offensive line, because that's where this is all coming from. So uh, the big news of today is somehow, like Craig and Friday, Kyle Long got fired on his day off. Uh, he is going on IR for what I believe to be a hip injury. And <laughs> and my dog is squeaking her squeaky toy because she knows that I'm talking out loud right now. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, so Kyle Long is going on IR, and that'll end his season ostensibly unless they want to bring him back later, but the guess would be that's not going to happen. He is rated as the second worst guard in football through five weeks, so it's not as though the Bears are going to be missing his play all that much. Ricky, how are you feeling? Because he is, you know, one of the good guys in the league, one of the leaders of the team. It's not going to be the same without him on the line. Yeah, Kyle Long, really good Bears career. If you go over the last 20 years of offensive first-round draft picks for the Bears, I mean, it's him and Greg Olson. Everyone else has been absolute trash. So Long's good guy. I feel like he's been fun to root for, but it's just been so clear this season that his play has totally slipped. He's been penalized too often. He hasn't been able to establish any sort of push in the run-blocking game. Uh, he just hasn't made a difference on the line. And, you know, to me, the line has been one of the top two biggest disappointments on this team so far. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later. To me, the big problem with the Bears is that 
you know, their their mentality is sort of to salt away games, to win these grinded out games. But it's tough to do that when you don't have a good O-line. They can give you pass protection. They can let you run the ball effectively to run out the clock in the fourth quarter. The O-line's been a big disappointment. Now, perhaps they'll be better with long out. Uh, I, you know, the depth on the offensive line has been a question even dating back to the offseason. Uh, they got a lot of young guys with James Daniels. He's 22 years old. He's been He's been okay, young, good prospect, still sort of growing into the position. White hair, I don't think, has quite lived up to the deal he signed in the offseason. The tackles are just fine, but uh, to me, the offensive line's been a big bummer. And uh, losing Kyle Long, I think, you know, won't hurt him that much. He hasn't been that good, but uh, you just wonder if they have the depth to, to make up for it. I, yeah, I mean, again, this is the trap door of the team, and there's a lot of reasons that's been happening, so I think we can talk about it, but... This was like the one position group that it, if the Bears couldn't succeed at this level, it was going to more or less crater what they were able to do. And the reason is that the Bears don't have a really effective uh, quarterback. And so if we if they can't run the ball, if they can't extend drives, if they can't string a few plays together with the run game, there is no offense to speak of. And, I, and ultimately, even though it seems – the Bears are three and two, but it doesn't feel that way to me right now. Between the Denver game and some of the teams that they've beaten, you know, it 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 feels awfully fortunate to be here. And at the same time, you have the rest of the season, and it's going to be a difficult game nearly every week. So the Bears needed to come out of the first five games of their season four and one, if not five and zero, oh, and that's just not what we have. But as it pertains to the offensive line and what happens without Kyle, so is the assumption that Rashard Coward now becomes the starting right guard because Ted Larson was going to be the guy, but he's working off of a knee injury, and it's not exactly certain when he's going to be coming back to the fray. Rashard Coward has never played guard in the NFL before, save for the few you know the few snaps that he played uh, when Larson went down uh, against Minnesota. So the Bears ha- don't really have any developmental depth, and the guys that they do have, the starters that they were depending upon, you know, going forward really don't look that good. Charles Leno, most penalized player in the league through five weeks, which is an incredible wow. statistic. Yeah, uh, you know, between the new emphasis on hands to the face, he's been flagged a few times for that. But really, it's been holding penalties, and he's just getting hit time and again. And you know how you know legislating holding is in the NFL. If you kind of get a reputation as a guy who does that, you're going to get more of them. So I'm sure that's a huge focus for the bye week, which is, you know, making sure everybody keeps their hands to themselves and the penalties go down a little bit. But James Daniels uh, got blown up, blown up by the Oakland defensive line, looked terrible. Cody Whitehair needs to be the leader on the line, and he really hasn't uh, been a standout in any way, shape, or form. Bobby Massey has been Bobby Massey. He's a solid pass protector, and he doesn't push in the run game. So across the line, there are a lot of questions and very few answers at this point in time. And no quick fixes on the way. I would think that this is going to be a long-term problem for the Bears moving forward. Hopefully Daniels continues to develop, plays up to the potential the Bears see in him. But like you said, not a lot of developmental prospects on the roster. I think, you know, if you look at the cap situation moving forward, too, once Max starts making the big money, it's going to be hard for them to to make moves around the salary cap to improve the O-line. That doesn't even factor in what they're going to have to do at quarterback eventually. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's definitely been a huge issue for the Bears this year, and it's something they're going to have to share up in the future. You know what's weird to me is that coming into this season, I was like, the Bears have an incredible teacher at offensive line. Harry Highstand is a draft and develop, knows what he's doing, fundamental guy. And at least for me, you know, a guy that knows nothing but pretends he does, I was like, that's a top five offensive line coach. It's not a, uh, a Scarnecchia or anything to that effect, but this is somebody you want on your coaching staff. And now, given the total regression across the line, some injury issues, but really just the play, uh, you have to wonder schematically uh, in, terms, in terms of what Nagy's setting up, in terms of what Highstand is coaching them up to do, if there have been some failures in that regard. Yeah, I can't really speak to it. Certainly, Highstand had a great reputation coming over from Notre Dame. I thought uh, the offensive line, you know, last year was good enough for them to be one of the better teams in the NFC. This year, it's pretty much all falling apart. I would say it's a talent issue more than a coaching issue, but uh, like I said, there's just it doesn't seem like there's an easy solution on the way. It really doesn't. I mean, I'm looking at the, the practice squad right now, and the only guy that's even mildly co- – and 
first of all, that says a lot that I'm looking at the practice squad for solutions for the problems, but the only person that's actually interesting is Alex Bars, who played at Notre Dame under Harry Highstand and was looked to be a, a early draft pick until he wrecked his knee. He looked good in the uh, in the preseason, found a place onto the practice squad, you know, snuck through waivers, nobody else picked him up. So there is that possibility, but really what needs to happen is the team needs to come together and the guys that they have need to just play better. There's really not much more to say, and I know that's not uh, riveting analysis, but that's really where the Bears are right now, which is they've got the guys. Those guys have a track record of playing uh, pretty well, and they need to kind of stand up to their billing. So uh, that's where they seem to be at this point in time. And the you know the backdrop to this is the fact that they were just absolutely manhandled last week in London by the Raiders. They were manhandled on both sides of the ball, quite frankly, and I think that that's the reason they lost that game. It all started in the trenches. Uh, to me, moving forward right now, you know, O-line is the biggest problem they have right there with quarterback play. Totally agree. And yeah, uh, the, the, the showing in, in London against a really physical and very large uh, offensive line, uh, or, sorry, defensive line for the Raiders, obviously that's going to play into the weaknesses of the Bears offensive line, but um, it was stark. I mean, it was just... They got whipped in the trenches on both sides of the ball all day and made it for a very unenjoyable experience. And yet they still had a chance to win at the end, and I think that says a lot about who this team is, what the defense is, and the fact that they'll be in most of these games. That's just kind of what we've come to expect from the Nagy Bears. I'm going to throw this at you. Do you think the Bears win if that game is played on American soil? Because I really think uh, between the jet lag of traveling to London, I think they arrived on Thursday of that week. Nagy uh, had similar success arriving in that time frame when he was with the Chiefs and they had to play a game overseas. Uh, I just wish that that game could have been in Oakland as a road game instead of all the way in London. I think the Bears would have had a better chance of winning. I mean, it's a really convenient slash annoying excuse sure. that that you know, and they're like, oh, well, the Raiders showed up two days before, and nah, nah. like whatever. I, I kind of don't subscribe to that theory. What I do subscribe to is that the Bears, more now than I can remember in a long time, the the difference between them at home and the road is stark, and especially when you have Chase Daniel starting at quarterback. His ability to be a game manager at home, to let everything run downhill for the for the defense, and to just not screw it up, versus how he looks when he's on the road. And, th- you know, you saw it against Denver last year. You saw it against the Giants. Like, he, he looks a little antsy in the pocket. He can't see over the line necessarily. He's going to put the ball up. And, um, you know, I think we've all kind of you know everybody wants the backup quarterback to play until he plays and that's like the story of uh, being a Chicago Bears fan for our entire lives for Chase you look at him and you're like he reads the field so well like he sees it he's able to get the second and third reads and that's really compelling because Mitch is a one read guy and he just his eyes don't move and so when you see like a play playing out and a, a head turning and a safety being manipulated you're like chases that dude and then he throws up just some absolute stink bombs and you're like chase is the opposite of that dude we need to get trubisky back as soon as possible so that's kind of my takeaway at least in terms of if the game is played on american soil i think if we're in oakland if we're playing there it's more or less the same result because uh the bears on the road with chase daniel uh, it's really not the as competitive uh, of a team as we might like yeah i totally feel that and you know you look at daniel's numbers 22 of 30 Two touchdowns, the last pick, man. That's what I keep coming back to. That was so backbreaking. Whether it was a miscommunication uh, in terms of him and the receiver, or maybe even him and the play caller, whatever happened, that was just an inexcusable pick because the Bears were moving the ball. I think that they were primed to at least tie the game uh, if they could have kept marching downfield. And such a bummer to see uh, you know the whole game go up in smoke like that with one bad throw. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, BearsAreGood.com, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. 
making them really easy to manage from any device, including your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Chicago Shuffle listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial. You don't even have to enter in your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then offer en- <laughs> then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. So let's put a pin in this a little bit because we're going to get to a couple of different segments we've set up. And the first one of which is three surprises. And I don't want to wreck one of mine by talking about that exact play yet. So we're going to get back to that. But Ricky, let's talk about this a little bit. So Bears, uh, five weeks into the season at the bye week, it's a chance to take a deep breath, a chance to let a few guys heal, and just a chance to take stock of what this team is so far in 2019. So we're going to do three surprises each. And uh, in no particular order, there's not have to be ranked unless you already did that. Ricky, what's your first surprise of the Chicago Bears season? Yeah, I know we have a few different categories, so I didn't want to overlap. So I'm going to put this as a surprise. Akeem Hicks hurt for the first time in his career. I have his... Uh, Is that true? I have his pro football reference page up in on the browser, and he's played minimum 14 games in every single year, dating back to 2012 when he was 23 years old. This is his age 30 season. You look at last year with the Bears, 16 games, 16 starts. The year before with the Bears, 16 games, 16 starts. The year before, 16 games, 16 starts. And now, my now he's out with this elbow injury. The prognosis for it is all over the map. He's going to be out at least for a few more weeks. You hope he isn't out for the full year, but I feel like at this point it hasn't been ruled out yet, so we don't know. In addition to that, last year, the last two years really, this guy was a total stud. Uh, seven and a half sacks last year, eight and a half sacks a year before that, seven sacks with the Bears a year before that. He really has established himself as one of the better linemen in the NFL, an all-pro caliber guy in the prime of his career. I think for the Bears to truly be not just a top 10 defense, but like a top three defense, which is the level they need to be performing for them to be real Super Bowl contenders and even to get there out of the NFC. They need Hicks at the top of his game. He's probably their second best player, you would have said, behind Mac coming into this season. I'm not blaming the player for getting hurt, certainly, but this was a guy with the track record of durability, and now he's hurt, uh, and I think the defense has taken a little bit of a step back without him. I don't think they get owned by the Oakland offensive line as thoroughly if prime Akeem Hicks is in the game and dominating, so uh, sure. that's the first thing I'm going to bring up is, you know, it's a bummer to have Akeem Hicks hurt. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you go into a season, you just know how the NFL works is there's going to be attrition, and a dude's going to go down that breaks your heart uh, and hurts your feelings, and so... You know, in the I, I don't know if it was the first game or second game, but when he went out with the knee injury, I was like, all right, you know, there it is. Like somebody got somebody important got nicked up. He's gonna have to take a couple weeks. But the dislocated elbow, I mean, you looked at it. I, I, I remember looking at it when it happened, and I'm like, well, that could be his season. And that's just the randomness of the NFL, where nothing went wrong, and it wasn't a lack of preparation or scheming or anything else. He just got his arm caught up, and now it looks like he's going to miss a ton of time. The other part of this is that, let's say he comes back, you know, I feel like your ability to use your arms in a really powerful way is critical to a defensive tackle. So what are you going to get when he comes back? It's really uncertain. Certainly having him on the line is better than nothing at all. But um, I will say, on a positive note, if I can try my best to do that, in terms of the Bears' position groups to lose someone at, the defensive line is one of their deeper positions. So you have guys like Roy Robertson-Harris and hopefully uh, off of the bye, uh, Bilal Nichols coming back from his broken hand. Uh, and it, maybe that'll help stem the tide a little bit. I also think the Bears at home, things just look a little bit different. So before I kind of bury them and the Akeem Hicks injury is something that you know really defines uh, the state of the defense this season, I'd like to see one more game with them on home turf to see how they react. Yeah, certainly if there's one position group they could withstand an injury at, it's the defensive line, I think. And uh, you know they do have good depth and they've been able to hold their own for the most part this year. That Raiders game was not a good showing for the line, but uh, you know, it's just a bummer to have a guy you were counting on to be one of your very best players go down so early. 
Bummer for sure. So my first surprise uh, of this, this young season is Tariq Cohen's complete and total mismanagement in terms of how he's being deployed in the Bears' offense. And I realize all of this happens within the context of they can't string drives together and they can't block, so hard hard to put the blame on Tariq but it's not just that if you look at like the way he was used in game one of the season he was a slot receiver and didn't carry the ball at all and had a bunch of targets and tons of routes run which was completely ineffectual the next week they almost took him out of the offense just a few touches here and there almost like a gadget player and then there have been multiple plays uh, in these last few games where he just gets a run up the middle for half a yard I, I, I really don't understand how they've lost what he does best in the offense, which is the option route out of the flat, which is basically uncoverable, especially if you're Anthony Barr, and the wheel route, which was a staple of the Bears offense last year, and just again and again and again produced positive yards. So I'm just a little bit surprised that there isn't a clearer plan for how to deploy him. Well, Zach, we are kindred spirits in many ways, and that includes our list of three surprises with the Bears, because I also had Tariq Cohen uh, as one of my surprises, Cohen being a bummer. I got some stats for you, Zach. Give me. This year, he's carried the ball 17 times, 17 times, Zach, for 37 yards. He's averaging 2.2 yards a carry, 37 fucking yards through five games for Tariq Cohen on the ground, and then through the air. Last year, this guy had 725 yards receiving, averaged 10.2 yards a catch. That's tremendous. This year, only 128 yards through the air, 6.4 yards a catch. He just hasn't been the big play, you know, target, big play maker that they need. And the thing with Cohen is, like, football, when it's at its best, all sports, when they're at their best, in my opinion, save for baseball, are when athletes are able to be in space making plays. They just haven't been able to get Cohen in space. And, you know, that falls on Nagy. I think it falls a little bit on Cohen for, um, you know, either route running or not being as shifty and decisive as he was last year. It falls on the offensive line, certainly. But, uh, you know, Cohen has been has been a disappointment this year. There's no other way around it. Yeah, and the few opportunities he has had space, he has, like, had a brain fart and either run into his offensive lineman or tripped and fallen. Like, I think he's trying to do a bit too much. That's my sense of Tariq Cohen, which is he wants it really bad. He wants to be great. And because of the struggles, he's pressing a bit. And, you know, uh, that's when he tries to flip the field or uh, doesn't, you know, push it inside and get the four yards. He bounces it outside and loses two. And that's just kind of the frustration of Tariq Cohen. So, yeah, anyways, surprise number one. So what's your next one that's not Tariq Cohen? Okay, well, I just want to say, though, the last note on Cohen is that he did have a big-time punt return in that uh, Oakland game late in the game. I'm hoping that gets him going for the rest of the season. Just put this guy in space. I trust him to make some plays. Hasn't happened yet, but, yeah, Cohen was the second one I was going to – I was going to name, so I'll jump ahead to my third one, and uh, there's no other way to say it. I think just Matt Nagy sort of lost his balls. I think he's gone a little conservative on us, and he just doesn't seem like the type of coach that's having an overall positive impact on the team. I think that his mindset, especially after the Philly game last year, the playoff loss, was that my defense is so good that they're going to keep us in every game. They score so often that they're going to win us some games by themselves. We just want the offense to not screw it up. I think that that mentality has really hurt the Bears this year on both ends of the ball. Whenever they go into a shell defense, whenever they're basically playing you know, prevent offense because of the inability of the O-line to run block, because they don't have someone like Jordan Howard last year who was a little maligned but still a pretty solid contributor year over year, I just think the Bears have gone conservative and... Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I do think it's had a negative impact on the team. I still believe that Matt Nagy is a good coach, but I think that, um, you know, to this point, he, he counts as a disappointment. No, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I, I He didn't make my surprise list, but he's going to be in here at some point. I do think that he, if you can separate out or silo the roles of a head coach, I think he's a really good coach in terms of knowing the temperature of the team, motivating properly, throwing out the right amount of booms. Sometimes he can be a little rah-rah, but overall, the way he handles the media, I really think he's a good coach. I am just at this point am questioning the X's and O's and in-game play calling just in terms of what the plan is. Like, what is the identity of the Matt Nagy offense? I can't really answer that at this point in time. 
Yeah, and it goes back to not having a reliable quarterback, a reliable running game, or a reliable <laughs> offensive line. I mean, what the hell is the guy supposed to do? I still like Nagy. I think that yeah, we're likely sure. still on the same page with this. I don't want him fired or anything like no, that. No, no, but, no. Uh, I mean, coming into this year, I thought that perhaps he could be one of the top five, at least top ten coaches in the NFL. And this year, it's more like, I don't know if this guy's really having a positive impact on the team. Yeah, I, I think everyone is scrambling a little bit for answers, and so that'll lead you to try some stuff. I mean, I've been in dire straits, you know, uh, like let's say on a craps table in Vegas, hypothetically, <laughs> when it wasn't going great, and I start throwing money in weird places. So I can relate a little bit. I can empathize, but it does seem like, you know, if, if the buck's going to stop somewhere, it's, it's with him. And if he can't put forward a feeling of like, I got a plan, we're going to stick to it, this is going to work, and I know it, then how is that going to like, you know, reflect off the rest of the offense right now it feels like they're just pulling levers and trying things and that's that's a that's a bit of a bummer and I'm gonna throw this one at you but you know from my perception coming into the year losing Vic was a big concern for me I actually think Chuck's been a pretty good defensive coordinator I think that he's pretty much held up his end of the bargain in terms of defensive coordinating and that's what makes this an even bigger bigger bummer is that, you know, the the question mark on the coaching staff, the defensive coordinator, has mostly been pretty solid, uh, but, you know, still the coaching has left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I I guess we should, like, you know, let's use this as a tra- transition to the next segment, which is, you know, the three things that played out the way that we thought they would so far this season. And so, for me, number one was that I really didn't think there was going to be that defensive regression that everybody was uh, looking towards. At least in terms of certainly like, you know, a few less picks. The Bears had 972 interceptions last year, and you can't count on that year in, year out. That's just not how it works. But in terms of this huge fall off from Vic Fangio to uh, to Pagano, I really didn't believe it. Um, perhaps that was me just hoping, but I think that, look, the Bears had one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, and a lot of that is predicated on the talent. The thing that Pagano brought to the table is a lot more linebacker blitzes, and those are things that open up the possibility for uh, for a Roquan Smith who, you know, when he's playing, can be really good at that. Also, the nickel defense uh, blitzes that have been coming from Bus- uh, Buster Screen, who's been really, really good with those. There's some question marks that we'll get to about, you know, what that does to the back end with uh, with Eddie and and with uh, Haha Clinton Dix, but in terms of the defense and the way it's gone, I'm not surprised at all. I did not expect them to fall off a cliff. I was going to say that Roquan was one of my biggest surprises. He was someone who I really expected mm. to have a breakout second year. Uh, it hasn't happened for a variety of reasons. Still a lot of question marks up in the air with that. I don't want to write him off yet, certainly. I think he st- could still have a bright career left in front of him, but I don't really know what's going on with Roquan right now. Uh, so for the Bears defense to still be pretty good or very good without him taking that leap that most of us anticipated that he would uh, is definitely a you know a positive sign. And what I was going to say, three things that played out exactly as we thought. The, my first bullet point was that Khalil Max is stud. Uh, I think his impact transcends the numbers. Only four and a half sacks so far this year. You don't really hear him mentioned in terms of defensive player of the year race. I know the kid from the Bucks has like nine sacks or something already. Shaq, he's been awesome. But Mac's impact extends so far beyond just the number of sacks. Constant pressure on the quarterback. The first half he played against Washington was absolutely brilliant. I think that really the Raiders game being the only one where I didn't notice him consistently making flash plays. Uh, I think Mac's been a stud, and I, I've been, you know, so thrilled that he's still on the team. He's really the the one guy that makes this defense go more than anyone else. I was around for, you know, every single year of the Erlacher experience, and I was around for every single game of the Julius Peppers free agent tour, which were two of the great uh, individual gets for the Bears in my lifetime. No doubt. I think Khalil Mack is better than either of them. Great take. I love that take. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably like the thing was Erlacher's value, I think was in preventing plays that never even happened because he was so good in coverage. Like Erlacher was taking shit away. Uh, so it was sort of hard to like see his tangible value because these things were never even developing with Mac. It's visceral. It's right in your face. Mac is just blowing through offensive linemen with one hand, ripping down the quarterback with the other arm. Uh, he's been really tremendous. 
I don't know why he didn't have a big game against Oakland. I would have thought that he would have been primed to, you know, score a touchdown. I would have taken some good odds on a bet if I could have gotten one, hypothetically, if gambling was legal in Chicago. Uh, but Hypothetically. You know, Mac's still been a stud, and the cap number is going to be absolutely huge going forward. I think this year it's only like $11 million, and next year it's going to be like in the 20s going forward sure. for the next few years. You know what? If you're going to pay a guy that much, he better be a superstar. Mac is a superstar. Could not be more thrilled to have him on the Bears. I love that guy. I love him. I, it took it took like seven minutes, and I was like, he's the most amazing, best guy. I can't wait. I can't believe he's on our team. And every time, you know, obviously Gruden was like, all right, we're going to put four linemen on him and have Incognito cut his knees while he's like engaged and everything else. Like he was not going to let him do anything. And because the rest of the Bears, you know, got pushed around so much, it just, yeah, it was a pretty non-impactful day across the board. Uh, but other than that, every other game I've ever seen Khalil Mack play, he has been a game wrecker. And it's a joy to watch. So uh, my second thing that has played out pretty much the way I thought it would, although I didn't, I was hoping I would be wrong, is that Mitch is struggling. And we're reaching a point, and I've been thinking about this a lot, of what is the correct amount of time to wait for a player before you form an opinion on him you're not really looking to change going forward. And so with Mitch – here are here are the things people talk about. People talk. Uh, the Drew Brees example is the highest of the hopes, right? Where he was a middling player that hadn't really figured it out during his time in San Diego, and then in his last year with Philip Rivers, you know, waiting in the wings, he turned into a Pro Bowl player. And so, I don't buy that analogy. I never have. Uh, Drew Brees had thousands of snaps in college, where Mitch is working off a year of them. But I do think that like we're in an era of the NFL where if you're not fantastic immediately, then it's, we're going to have to be moving on pretty quick because you have GMs that have used a ton of draft capital and uh, their jobs are tied to these guys. And so Mitch's struggles kind of look like they did last year. I, what is the growth? I guess is the question I have for you. Like if you were to point to anything, anything this year that he's done, that you didn't see last year can you name one thing um maybe gotten the ball out quicker that's like the only thing i can think of uh but no in general mitch hasn't shown any growth and what i kept coming back to for trubisky last year was that if you know heading into his second season if you would have told us that the guy was going to finish with 24 touchdowns 12 interceptions and a 95 qb rating i would have been like hell yeah i'll take that because he didn't show shit during his seven game audition with john fox or whatever it was back in 2017 uh, there's just been no no growth from him, like you said. Like I wish we could lock him into those numbers. Like, give me a year where Mitch is throwing 24 touchdowns and 12 picks again, and maybe the team would have a chance to win at a higher level. This year, you look, his yards per attempt is way, way down. 5.5. Yeah, horrible. horrible. His uh, touchdowns, interceptions, three touchdowns, two picks. He hasn't run the ball at all this year. And now you wonder, you know, coming back from the injury, is that part totally going to be taken out of his game? Like his running ability was probably the the thing he was the best at last year in his second season. So uh, I totally agree with you that I wasn't sold on Mitch uh, coming into this year, but I was at least like, well, the dude put up pretty good numbers last year. So uh, if he could do that again, I think the Bears will be okay. The problem is that, it's not going to be the same numbers this year. I mean, he's already had the injury, so the durability is going to be a question mark. Yeah, he didn't. He only played 14 games last year, but uh, I, I don't know, man. You just There's no growth. There's no ability to throw the ball downfield. There's no ability to read the defense. Here's my thing with Trubisky, to just go on a short tangent. Do so it, do it. as a basketball writer, I fashioned myself as a bit of an armchair scout. I've been wrong a lot, man. I mean, I had Josh Jackson over Jason Tatum in the 2017 draft. I really liked Stanley Johnson coming out of Arizona as an NBA prospect. He's done nothing. So with that caveat that everyone can be wrong, my question <laughs> is like, what the fuck did we see in Mitch that led us to believe, that led the whole league to believe that this guy was, you know, a potential top five overall pick? So if I'm breaking down the attributes that make a good quarterback, arm strength, is his arm strength in the top 15 of the NFL? Is he above average for a starter? If you're the number two overall pick, you know, perhaps that's something that we should expect from you. No, he does not have above average NFL starter arm strength. Accuracy, certainly not top half of NFL starters in terms of his accuracy. He's 
bottom half, no doubt, you know, probably bottom quarter or something. He's not, he hasn't shown an ability to be accurate. And then the mental aspect of the game would be the third trait to me that makes a great quarterback. And he hasn't shown that at all. Once again, certainly not top 15 quarterback in the league in terms of his ability to read the field. So just from like an armchair scout perspective, like why did you see his talent as necessitating a top five pick? That's what is such a big question mark for me at this point. So I'll just kind of jump in with how I've been processing all this. And and then we got to probably move forward so we don't talk about Mitch for the entire pod. But I went down a little road where I looked up every old scouting article I could from the 2017 pre-draft process. And, I mean, you you couldn't find uh, a non-glowing report about Mitch Trubisky. It was like all of a sudden the season ended. I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard of him. And, I, you know, I usually kind of know who the players are in college football coming out. I knew who Deshaun Watson was, that's for sure. So – you know, when all these reports started coming out and all the evaluations, pro days, combine that, you know, uh, the Trubisky was the darling of the scouting community and people are falling in love with him left, right and center. And he's the unanimous uh, top prospect coming out. I was shocked. I was surprised and I didn't I'd always kind of wanted Deshaun Watson. Now, I will say that Patrick Mahomes didn't even show up on a lot of these reports because nobody saw him as anything more than a second-round pick, uh, late first at best, and even given that, more of like a sandlot player that you're really going to have to develop for a long time. The big miss was Deshaun Watson, who's shown himself to be nothing more than a championship player for his entire college career, got the size, got the athleticism, got everything, yet somehow got the knock that he was inaccurate uh, and that, you know, in the modern NFL, the windows are so small. If you can't be accurate with the ball, that uh, you're you're not going to be viable. Somehow, Mitch had been evaluated as an incredibly accurate passer and one that could get the ball out on time and on target. So, part of me thinks that that was not necessarily a misevaluation. That's a regression from Mitch. His mechanics on the on the deep ball are so weird and so off. He locks out his left leg. He throws the ball straight up. I do think that's just kind of like a hitch in the giddy up that uh, nobody saw coming, and that seems forgivable. But in terms of everything else, the overall feeling is like Mitch was an incredible athlete with a very, very small positive track record, and that the Bears believed that they could develop him into the quarterback of the future. Now, mm, the, the jury's out at best. My whole point is that I just don't see the talent. Like, the, nothing about Mitch jumps off the page and is like, yeah, this guy is super talented. Not even like as a runner, as a runner, I feel he's like good. he's pretty talented. So he's good. He's not elite. He's not Lamar Jackson. I would say his running ability is on par with Deshaun Watson's. You know, it's not significantly superior. Like he's good for as sure. a runner, and now he won't run. So yeah, that 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 begs the question of like what's going on there. I don't think there have been a ton of opportunities, but he has he has passed down chances to run time and again this year, and I I couldn't tell you why. Uh, all right, so we we got to move on. Like, Mitch Mitch is a magnet for this kind of conversation because he's so polarizing and because there's so many unknowns still to come of what he could be and what he might be, you know, going forward this year. The last thing that I have in things that I played out the way I thought they would, and this one bu- bugs me just as much, is the tight end group sucks. Yeah. And it's a huge problem for this team. They can't block because um, – because I'm going to forget the name of our second round draft pick from Ashland University. That Adam Shaheen. Is, why? Why can't I remember that in this moment? He's Adam not good. Shaheen, he's bad. It's a busted pick. And I think it's time for the Bears to accept that's the fact. So going into this offseason, you can I can almost guarantee you that tight end is going to be at the top of the free agent list, if not also a draft pick. But Adam Shaheen is not good at football. And I think that's a conclusion that we can effectively make where an athlete for sure, a big body, absolutely. But when you put him on a field with other premier athletes, he does not have what it takes to rise above. And that's what the Bears are dealing with right now. And Burton's been a disappointment as well. You know, more Coming off of an injury, yeah. I, I can't tell how healthy he is, but certainly doesn't look anything like he did last year. There's also some strange nebulous reporting around him and anxiety and and desire I don't believe any of that but I've heard those rumblings again and again that you know from a mental standpoint there may be 
I don't know, a problem there or something to, to lean into. As it pertains to the Bears offense, that position, the wide tight end, is a critical position, and the Bears are getting nothing from that. And then when you look at what Shaheen has done, he they need him to be an effective blocker to, in order for him to do the position and to play and to be on the field, and he can't do it. He's blowing blocks left, right, and center. He's playing about 20% of the snaps right now, uh, and that's just – to say that's not going to get it done is the understatement of the century. Mm, that's that smooth ad read music. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. By the way, I don't, this is not me. This is just hypothetically a person. I just want to be really clear. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't have long days at work and I frequently feel it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Well, Zach, this podcast has been extremely negative, despite the fact yeah. that our confidence was at six and seven when we said that. So I'm going to change it up here and actually name a positive in terms of something that I expected that has happened. Allen Robinson rules. I love Allen Robinson. I thought he played a terrific game against Oakland last week. Arguably the best player on the field for the Bears. 97 yards receiving, two touchdowns. Uh, my opinion is that if this guy had a more stable offense, he would be widely considered a top 10 wide receiver in the league, maybe even top five. He's just everything you want in a receiver. He's big. He goes up and high points the ball. He catches everything. He's able to get his feet in bounds in really tricky situations consistently. He is an A1 target for any team in the NFL, in my opinion. The Bears are really lucky to have him. I thought that if he could have a bigger role in the offense this year than last year, that uh, he would prove his talent and show how good he was. And I think for the most part this year, that's happened. No, I I can I can't disagree with anything you said. He's slippery in space. His footwork's incredible. He, he frequently is able to create separation in all of his routes. Uh, I, I The Bears couldn't have hoped for it to go this well. And when you're paying a guy $15 million a year in free agency and he's somehow outplaying that contract at this point in time, you know you've got you've really hit one. Uh, while we're talking about things, I have to balance out your positivity with something negative. <laughs> we, we didn't get it to it in the surprises. Anthony Miller is one that I want to talk yeah. about for just a second. And he has been... I, you know, it would be hard to categorize it as anything other than a disappointment based on what he was coming out of school and what he was early in training camp as rookie year. The problem for me isn't necessarily the play he plays he's making on the field because he mossed, uh, I, I don't know who the, who the Gary and Conley, I have no idea who the cornerback was he did it to against the Raiders, but he went up over the top and stole a 50-50 ball uh, that showed you how good he can be. For me, and here it is coming back to the conversation we were having earlier, it's route running. It's being where you're supposed to be. It's uh, not being a spaz when you catch a ball or don't catch a ball. Like losing, He loses his head constantly, and he clearly doesn't know the nuances of the offense to the point that they trust him to be out there all the time and that he knows where he's going to be. And that completely showed itself in the final play of the game. Now, Chase Daniel threw a terrible ball into triple coverage, but if Anthony Miller runs the route he's supposed to run, the corner route, instead of cutting it off to the to the sideline, he's at least there to try to contest it and break it up. Yeah, he's had no impact this year. And they traded up they traded a pick to go up to get him, too. Uh so that makes his year even more disappointing on the season eight receptions for 80 yards not good enough for a guy who moved up in the second round to go get anthony miller needs to be better it's been a disappointment to say the least all right so 
because we're in negative Nancy land, I will say before we end this, we're going to have a nice five minutes of here's what, here's the things that we're looking forward to. And here are th- reasons that the bears might turn it around. But I do want to do a shit gone wrong power rankings because we've gotten here quickly and we're in a moment where it feels like everything is wrong. Just listen to what we're talking about. There's the O-line, there's running back, there's this, there's that. But in terms of if you could point to the first thing, you're like this, everything is kind of filtering down from this or this is the first reason that the Bears are struggling at this point in time given the expectations they have. What's your answer? So I got four. I'm just going to do them in reverse order since we've talked about a lot of this already. Uh, My number four is that the – the division's really good. I don't think I expected the Packers to be maybe the Super Bowl favorites out of the NFC right now. Maybe it's the Seahawks. Uh, I don't know. Either way you want to argue it. I think the Packers coaching changes definitely helped them. I think the Lions are way better than I anticipated them to be. The Vikings, I'm going to say the Vikings are frauds, but they're still, you know, somewhat competent. So the division being better than I expected, uh, you know, that's been one thing that's gone wrong. Number three, I'm going to say is Nagy. I think that you know, my expectations, my opinions of him were so high coming into the year. He just hasn't been able to meet them. I haven't seen him have a super positive impact on the team this year. So Nagy's been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, number two, I got the line. We've talked about it enough already. The offensive line sucks. They can't run block to save their life. Their pass protection isn't good enough. They get no push. Uh, now Kyle Long's hurt. They don't have good enough depth. I think the offensive line is a big issue. And number one, it's got to be Mitch. Uh, durability plays into it too. I'd love to see him on the field. Hopefully he's able to come back and right the ship a little bit, but I think it's going to be hard with that injury. I think he's going to be less likely to run moving forward. I know it's his non-throwing shoulder, but I just wonder where his confidence is at. Certainly he's heard the talk around the league, uh, especially compared to Watson and Mahomes. He's heard the talk in the city where people are already, you know, writing him off. So, uh, that, that, those are my top four. No, I mean, those are all Spot on. I can't disagree with any of that. Mine was number three, Nagy's offense and the current scheme they're deploying. Number two, Mitch. And number one, the offensive line. And the reason why I don't put Mitch number one overall is because, to a certain extent, this is what we knew Mitch was, at least coming into this year, which was um, hopefully a guy who can manage a game forward and take leaps, but we don't need him to do that necessarily. What they needed was the running game, the complementary parts of the offense to extend drives, to push things forward, and to allow Mitch to, with his legs, with short passing, just keep drives going. So the total trap dooring of the O-line is something that I never saw com- coming. And when we talk about the failures on offense from getting Tariq Cohen the touches he, he needs where he needs them, from Mitch being able to, uh, or Chase being able to see the field and to you know get the ball out there, from David Montgomery, who we haven't mentioned yet, you know, the fantasy community hates every Bears player at yeah. this point besides Allen Robinson, but David Montgomery's total inability to have a, a positive effect on the field, all of that leads back to the O-line. Like, if you look at a team like the Indianapolis Colts with one of the best O-lines in football or the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they're going through a lot of injuries, you can put anyone in the backfield and you're going to have a lot of plays that taste good. You know, like I, I remember... I don't remember what college coach it was, but he just said, you know, when it's all rolling right, like everything on the menu tastes good. And right now, everything that comes out of the kitchen for the Bears is bad. And I throw that at the feet of the O-line. But man, dude, if they just could have won that Raiders game, if they just could have, you know, I know. then it'd be 4-1 and one, and the I entire know. complexion of our conversation would have changed tonight. I know. It hurts my feelings. And that's the, you know, it's such a week-to-week league. Like, what's going to happen, by the way, the Bears are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the New Orleans Saints in Chicago next week, which is really crazy they got the extra half point. I don't really understand that. Maybe it'll move a little bit. Uh, But that is the the sharps perception of what who the bears are at, at soldier field so it'll be really interesting to revisit this next week all this complaining all this bitch moan complaining that we're doing how they play and how we perceive what the team is after just one more week of football it's pretty insane like the the week because after the vikings game we're like this is a lights out defense chase daniel totally a good game manager maybe even better for this bears oh, team God. they can achieve a lot you know and then a week later we're like everything sucks chase is garbage you know, Mayday, uh, and the Bears have a lot uh, of changes to make going into the bye week. And I had that bad Chase opinion. I said that on this very podcast a couple episodes ago. So got to own that one, and you're right. It is really a week-to-week league. Now I look at the Bears' upcoming schedule really quickly. You know, Saints at home next week. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is still pretty good as a backup for the Saints. 
Kamara, really good. They can run the ball. Their offense is definitely solid. But I think, you know, if the Bears win that game, they could be looking okay because then they got the Chargers. Chargers got smoked on Sunday Night Football, at least as of this recording. They're down big to the Steelers. Then the Eagles. The Eagles have sort of been a disappointment, but I feel like it's the same story with the Eagles every year. They rally back and end up being a great team by the end of the season. That's a road game. Then you got the Lions, then Rams, then Giants. So very, very, very tough schedule for the Bears coming up. I think the end of the schedule is particularly difficult, those last four or five games. So this middle yeah. chunk of the season, Lovey used to say, you know, break it up into quarters. This second quarter of the season is going to be vital to determine just how good the Bears are. I do think there's an outside chance they can run off 4-0 in this next quarter, but man, there's no margin for error. It's going to be really hard without the offensive line. 2-2 two and two probably wouldn't be good enough. Um uh, you know given how hard the final stretch of the season is but that's where we're at right now at three and two yeah yeah, I you know if they went four and oh in the next four I I I would light a bottle rocket and stick it up my ass (laughs) that'd be amazing uh I I do think you know we're not in the land it's we're five weeks into the season I don't think you could say anything to the effect of like a must win game but based on the feeling around the team the failures on offense and what they have coming up on their schedule going forward Saints is must win it's must win. It's at home. They kind of have to have that one. Yeah. And that, if they can be four and two, you can look at the rest of the schedule and say, all right, they can eke their way out to six wins, you know, given what the schedule is. But they got to beat the Saints. If they're going to be anything, if they're going to be a playoff team, if they're going to be competitive with other teams that are looking to be playoff teams, then Mitch has to come back and do what he's never done before, which is off of a, uh, of a break, either for injury or time or what have you. Uh, he has to be good right away, and we've never seen that before, so that's a huge test for him. And then the Bears are totally going to have to reshuffle their offensive line and come in with a plan and execute it against a really tough defensive front. Uh, The New Orleans Saints, I mean, they did it again today. They're one of the best defensive fronts in football, and the Bears are going to have to go out against that and succeed. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of the stakes of the game. I think the Bears have to have it, like you said, home game, backup quarterback, Drew Brees ain't there, so... Uh, not a lot of margin for error with the Bears. I think they'll be in the game. I think the defense is good enough to keep them in the game. I don't think they'll get run off the field, certainly. But, yeah, got to have this one, Bears. Let's see them do it. Got to have it. So, uh, what do you think, Ricky? Wrap it up for today to bring some of this up into the next one? Yeah, I think so. All right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to Chicago Shuffle. I'm Zach Lee, and this has been my guest, Ricky O'Donnell, of the Cash Considerations Bulls podcast, which you should definitely be listening to as the Bulls might be interesting and good this year. It might be fun to watch. I think it's going to be fun to watch. It'll be a fun team to follow, if nothing else. That's where I'm at with it. It's definitely a watchable product for the first time in a long time. Uh, As always, please follow Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter, and please check out all the other great pods on the site. Thanks for listening. Ricky, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Later, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.